the scripture for the night is Haggai 1, verses 1 through 9. Haggai 1, verses 1 through 9. In the second year of the king Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shechem, governor of Judea, of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty said. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty said. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timbers and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Again, I want to say that if you're visiting here, we're glad that you're here. This congregation is happy that you're here. And I hope that you'll have time to hang around a little bit so that we can meet you and so that you can join us in some of the festivities that are, that are going to be following after this service. And I also want to thank Brother John for that prayer. Thank you for praying for Alan and Troy. We've been talking about Alan and Troy a lot, and we've been thinking about them a lot since they departed for the Philippines. And if you think about them right now, and if you look at your watch, you may be surprised to know that it's a little bit after 7 o'clock in the morning, on Monday morning in the Philippines where they're at. And if they slept at all last night, they're already up and they're awake and they're preparing for a 10, 12, maybe even 14 hour day, depending on what's on, uh, ahead on their schedule. And so I hope that you'll keep praying for them, not because they're just not because they're in a foreign land that has its own unique set of problems of international borders and tropical diseases, things that we don't have here. But also because of the amount of work that they're trying to accomplish while they're there. In that kind of work, there's always more to be done than you have time for. There's always time for another class. There's time for another meeting. There's time for another personal Bible study. There's always more demand for your time, for, for your work, than you have time in that kind of work. I've done that kind of work in Liberia 
and in India. And when we lived in Africa, we had missionaries who came and stayed in our house for weeks and sometimes months while they did their missionary work. And when you do that kind of missionary work, you learn very quick that you need to to identify your priorities and you need to focus on those things that are most important so you don't lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish in the little bit of time that you have in the form field. For Alan and Troy, it's a good problem that they have. But when they landed there, even before they walked out of the airport, it's like, well, what do we need to do now? And it's like, they don't take dollars out there. They're not going to accept your dollars out there. So before Troy and Alan even left the airport, they had to get some money changed so that they could pay the taxis and pay the tips that they needed to pay. And so what's next on the list? Well, We can't drink the water when we get to the hotel. We can't even brush our teeth or we'll end up getting sick. So we better get some water on the way there. And so it goes on and on like that. What's next on the list? And so what's next? What do we need to do? And so on and so on. And so they make a list and they'll start working those things that are on the top of the list, making sure that they get done what they need to get done and they work on their priorities. And it's something that we all do. We may not even think about it, but we do it in our personal life. We do it in our work life. We do it in our life with our money and with our time and with our budgets. And so, but sometimes when we go through that project or through that process and we start looking at things and there are so many important things that need to be done. And oh, by the way, they all need to be done right now, right? They can't wait. They've all got to be done, and they've got to be done now. And sometimes when we do that, our priorities can get mixed up. And those things that are really important to us, they get pushed to the bottom of the list, or eventually they fall off the list before we know it. Right? In our lesson today, we're going to see how our relationship with God can be injured when we let this world decide our priorities and we lose focus on those things that are most important to us. The lesson comes from a time in the life of God's people when they were caught up in the things of this world and they became comfortable overlooking the work of God. We're talking about the time in the book of Haggai the minor prophet. It was a time when the remnant of Israel was returning from Babylonian captivity and they were going to start rebuilding their nation. And it was a time when there was so much to do, it's almost like they were starting from scratch. When they finally got back from Babylon and they got to their capital and they stood there and looked at it, Babylon had completely destroyed the walls. All of the fortifications were burned. The city had no protection. Anybody could just march right in there and do anything they wanted to the inhabitants. And when they finally got up inside the walls and they got to looking around, they found that the city had suffered decades of neglect 
There was rubble and debris that they had to clear away. And when they finally got all of the overgrowth cleared away, they found that Babylon had destroyed everything inside the walls. All the buildings, all the stables, all their offices, all their houses were destroyed. Even the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord their God was destroyed. So there was a lot to do. And everybody went to work. They rolled up their sleeves. Everybody found something to do at that time. And they started rebuilding their city. And they started putting their life back together and rebuilding what they needed. And so it's in this context that the Lord speaks to the people through the prophet Haggai. And He talks to them about what they've accomplished in that time since they've returned from captivity and now they're settled in their city. And in the first chapter of Haggai, we find that they had restored all those things that they needed to take care of themselves and to thrive. But they neglected to rebuild the house of the Lord. And in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, we read the reason for the neglect. In verse 1 through 4, we read the reason why they neglected to rebuild the house of the Lord. Verse 1, we read, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruin? For 16 years they had taken care of everything that they needed. And the Lord, after 16 years, asked them, Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses And this temple, my house, to lie in ruins. The words that God uses in 1 through 4 and the idea of the paneled houses lead us to understand that they had finished their houses inside and out. When you looked at the facade of their house, it was all painted on the outside. The lawns were manicured and the hedges were all trimmed. Everything was beautiful on the outside. And when you went inside... The granite countertops were down and the crown molding was up. They weren't living in shacks that had leaky roofs or drafty doors or windows that wouldn't close. The man caves were ready and there was time to celebrate. So the Lord tells them, you've taken care of everything that you need and then some. But look this way. Look over here at my house. Look at the place where you come and you meet me. Look over here at where you come to worship me and sacrifice to me. And that place is still in ruins. Look at the place where you bring your children 
and you give them their faith that's going to keep them for the rest of their life and sustain them. And this is the place where you teach them. Look at this place over here. When the Gentiles want to know me and they want to come and see me, they come here and this place is in rubble and it's in ruins and it's all torn down. How is it that you've provided so much for yourself during all these years, but you still haven't begun to take care of the things that pertain to me? The Lord understands that we need to take care of ourselves, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the application that we need to learn from this lesson is that God wants us to make time for Him. He wants us to be important to Him. You know, there will always be those times in life when we feel like we need to dedicate our lives to the cause. I can remember whenever I was first coming out of school and I was just starting my career, I felt like I needed to stay there and burn the candle at both ends. I felt like I needed to spend time to learn my new responsibilities and I needed to show my employer that I was dedicated to the job. But there also may be the time when we've taken on a little bit extra debt and we need that second job just to make sure, just to make the ends meet. Or that may, there may be the time when we're on the the verge of retirement and we need to keep the pedal down and we need to keep socking it away so that when we finally reach retirement, we've got a little bit extra waiting for us there and we'll be a little bit more secure and have a little bit more comfort. These people told themselves that once they got it all together and once everything was in place, then they would find time for the house of the Lord. Then it would be time to rebuild the house. They would have finally have time for God. But their problem was, and it be, can become our problem too, is that there's always something more important. There are so many things that are important in our life. And, oh, by the way, they have to be done right now. They can't wait that these people became comfortable looking at the house of the Lord, walking by it every day, and it was in rubble. And they became comfortable with that. And they became comfortable with overlooking their responsibilities to the Lord. So, this is the reason for their neglect. This is why... Things were in the condition that they were. And God wants them to see the results of their neglect. He wants them to see what's happening because of their neglect. So in verses 5 through 7 of Haggai chapter 1, we read the results of the neglect of their neglect. Beginning in verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages 
earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Their society was an agrarian society. They, they were farmers. And if you're a farmer who sows a lot of seeds, you expect a bountiful harvest, right? But no matter how much they planted, the harvest never amounted to enough. They ate and they drank, but there wasn't enough and they weren't satisfied. When winter arrived, they couldn't get warm. And when they looked at their bank account, they weren't getting ahead. It's like one step forward and one step back. Have you ever had that? You look at it at the end of the month and it's like, wow, where did it all go? What happened to it all? So they spent everything they made as fast as they could and they still weren't happy. The things that they wanted most in life weren't bringing them contentment. God was on the bottom of the list. And everything that they had on the top of the list left them unsatisfied. So God summarizes for them in verse 9 the situation again. We read in verse 9, He says, You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. They had high expectations for their life. They were upwardly mobile people, right? But very little was coming of their labors and their toils. And God tells him what little you had. I let it just evaporate. I let it dissipate. I blew it away. He's telling them that I'm not going to allow you to be blessed like I want to bless you because, because you are ignoring me and you have no room for me in your life. So this is the result of their neglect. Their mixed up priorities had injured their relationship with God to the point that he wasn't going to provide for them the way that he wanted to provide for them, the way that a loving father wants to provide for his children. And that relationship that they had injured wasn't going to improve until they did something about it. So that's the result of the neglect. And what's the answer? What's the answer to this problem? We like to fix problems. How did they fix the problem? Well, two times we read God's answer to the problem. And two times God tells them the same exact thing. Verse 5 we read, God say, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about it. Verse 5, thus says the Lord of hosts, or verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. When God tells them to consider your ways, He's appealing to them to take an account of your life. He wants them to look at their priorities and think about what's most important in life. He's asking them to think about those things that are on the top of their list and consider, 
Are those really the things that are most important in your life? Are those things really worthy of being on the top of your list? Today, Jesus speaks to us about priorities. And in Matthew chapter 6, He helps us understand the proper order for the priorities in this life. We read in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus tells us in verse 31, Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? That's the same thing that they were talking about in Haggai's time. Verse 32, Jesus says, For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that you need will be added to you. God knows everything that we need and He wants to provide for those needs. But Jesus is telling us that we need to keep God at the top of our priorities on our list of things that are important. Jesus promises us that if we keep God at the top of that list and if He's high in our priorities, all the jobs and careers that we're worried about, all the extra debt that we've taken care of, all the retirement accounts that we need, those will all take care of themselves. He's not saying that the bank account is going to balance every, every time. He's not saying that the car won't need to be repaired or that the washer and dryer won't need to be replaced. But those are the things that we deal with in life every day. Those are the things that we manage in life. And eventually, all those things, they work themselves out. The lesson that we should learn from these good people is that we shouldn't let our priorities get so mixed up that it injures our relationship with the most important person in our life, our Lord. But they did what God asked, and they looked at their lives. And in verse 12 and 14, we see their response to God's request. We see how they reacted to God's request for them to consider their way, and we see how they solved the problem. Verse 12, we read, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. And in verse 14, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all of the remnant of the people. And they came, and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. We can appreciate these people because they responded like good people do, like honest people do. They simply listened to the message of God 
And they took account of what was going on in their life relative to that message. And they changed what needed to be changed. They fixed what they needed to be fixed in order to obey God and to, to do what He wanted. And in verse 12, we read that they obeyed the Lord. In verse 14, we read that they went to work, they reconstructed and rebuilt the house of the Lord. It's quite a success story. And the rest of the story in Haggai tells us that we know that God was happy with their response to His appeal for them to consider their ways. He wasn't happy because they built a great temple that was worthy of the Lord God Almighty. In fact, some of the people there that had saw the great temple of Solomon, they were concerned that this temple just wouldn't measure up. But God told them, that's fine. I'm happy with that, with this temple. In fact, I'll bring more glory on this temple than ever. God was happy. They heard His message. They became uncomfortable with neglecting His work. And they rebuilt His house. The minor prophets have some great life lessons and applications. And I hope that you'll take the lessons that come out of Haggai chapter 1 and apply them to your life. I hope that you will consider your ways, that you'll Think about your life and compare it to what God wants for your life. Ask yourself, are those things that are on the top of my list, those things that are important to me, are they worthy of the kingdom of God? And are you really doing what you can for the Lord? Are you... Or are you comfortable running to your house and going by his house and looking at the work that needs to be done and just leaving it undone? If your priorities in life are mixed up and you feel uncomfortable with the status quo, we're here to help. We want to help you make a change. We want you to make that change. You can resolve tonight to make God a priority in your life. And if you need to make any changes, don't wait. But don't feel like you have to do it alone. There are good people here, wise people here, who want to help you learn how to obey the Word of God. They want to help you. And we're ready to help you if you'll just let us know how. And if you'll come forward, let us know as we sing the song of invitation.